Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, 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 welcome to episode 257, folks. It is me, your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News, and we are here to talk about the nerd news, if it wasn't already painfully obvious. But yes, welcome to the show. Um, Hope you guys are having a fun week. Uh, This week we're going to talk about some good things in regards uh, to the Xbox Activision merger. Uh, We're going to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. I did see that this weekend. We're going to talk about Star Wars Celebration Europe that happened all weekend. A lot of great stuff coming out of that. Uh, HBO Max is officially becoming Max. Um, Really fucking stupid name. But hey, uh, that's a gist of what we're talking about today. Hope you guys stick around for the whole episode. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, Also, while you're here, let's uh, don't forget to, you know, follow us on all the socials. Uh, Nixner News, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the good stuff. Uh, follow my personal, The Nick DeFalco, on TikTok if you guys want to check out what's going on uh, every week if you want a preview of the show. So make sure you guys follow the socials. Obviously, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Hope you guys like, share, subscribe. Uh, we're also on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, things like that. Our link tree is posted everywhere. So that way you guys can either find our website, listen in the browser, or you can like and subscribe on any of your preferred platform of choice. Uh, with that, though, why don't we stop dilly-dallying and, and talking about nothing and get right into the show, shall we? Alright, so what's going on in the video game news world, shall we? Well, as we all know, as we talk about week after week after week after week, is the Activision Blizzard merger buyout, whatever you want to call it, that's that's currently under scrutiny in just about everywhere on the planet uh, with Microsoft. Obviously, that is something, it's a, it's a very big deal. So, obviously, that's why it's under scrutiny. But we have a new development. So, last week, we talked about how the CMA had essentially, you know, they, 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 they're not as concerned about it as as they they previously were, um, they've essentially uh, are agreeing to the deal. Well, now Sony is upset about it. Um, obviously, Sony's been extremely petty through this whole thing, as we've we've called them out every time. Again, completely warranted. I get it. Right? They they don't want to lose their dominance, and the so the CMA said that its biggest concern over competition is is. Like, they, they don't feel that anymore. So, Sony has put out today, or not today, uh, on, on April 6th, said, quote, The CMA's reversal of its position on its console's theory of harm is surprising, unprecedented, and irrational. The provisional findings assessed a significant body of evidence in the round to support its findings that Microsoft would have the ability and incentive to withhold Activision content and this would substantially lessen competition by foreclosing PlayStation, unquote. Um, they, they followed it up with, quote, 
Microsoft has been clear since the announcement of the merger. It has no intention to withhold or... Uh, wait, no, that's the CMA, sorry. Um, it, it just... Microsoft um, is being open. Obviously, some people are calling them out saying, yeah, but in 10 years or whatever, are you going to stick to it? PlayStation is just worried. Again, it's all strange that it, it's really the fight keeps coming down to Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, not Crash Bandicoot, which literally used to be Microsoft or PlayStation's mascot in the 90s and would now fall under Microsoft's purview if they buy Activision Blizzard. They're not even they're not talking about that. It's all about Call of Duty. So, like did they forget that Activision Blizzard makes other games? Probably. Um, all they care about is the biggest money maker, which is Call of Duty, which in in essence makes sense, right? Does this mean that Call of Duty means more to PlayStation's bottom line than maybe we all thought? I, I, again, I don't know, but it, it's just funny that we keep having this conversation week after week after week as it continues to go on and on and on. Um, just, just ridiculous is what it is. Um, sticking with Xbox here for a second. Microsoft has, uh, finally opened up about their emulator ban on Xbox consoles. Like, so if, uh, Xbox consoles and all the modern consoles essentially have app stores, right? There's apps you can download. And for a while, emulators started appearing on Xbox where you could emulate, obviously, non-Xbox games. And they, uh, they, they essentially closed the loophole that was allowing that to happen. Um, people thought Nintendo was kind of egging them on about it because Nintendo and Microsoft have, very, have a very good relationship. They just happen to be like pretty much across the street from each other up in, up in Washington. Um, but one of the bigger emulator developers had to close it down. Um, Microsoft put out an official statement. It says, quote, the information currently circulating on Twitter is not accurate. Our actions are based on a long-standing policy on content distributed to the store to ensure alignment with our Microsoft Store policies. Per 10.13.10, products that emulate a game system or game platform are not allowed on any device family, unquote. So while that was there, um, the loophole was kind of, you know, always around and they didn't always check. Uh, they also put out a statement to Kotaku saying, quote, continually evolve our mechanisms for reviewing and taking enforcement actions on content distributed to the store to ensure alignment with our Microsoft Store policies, unquote. So it, it just, I guess, it, maybe they needed an official way to go after it, but essentially any emulator that was on the App Store is uh, in, in the Xbox App Store is now gone. So you would not be able to, to play any of that any longer uh if you were um and then our final bit of xbox gaming uh story for the week uh joseph staten is is officially leaving microsoft now there were things floating around that he was leaving 343 to go back to xbox game studios um we're now learning that he's leaving microsoft entirely so uh it said uh, microsoft released a statement saying quote we're grateful for Joseph's contributions to the Halo franchise and Xbox as a whole. We wish him all the best in his new adventure, unquote. Uh, he put out on Twitter himself saying, 
Quote, hey folks, I'm indeed leaving Microsoft. I'll have more info to share soon, but for now, I'd just like to thank all my Xbox colleagues for all their understanding and support as I embark on a new adventure, unquote. Uh, he worked for Bungie for a very long time, so he was the cinematic director on Combat Evolved, Halo 2 and Halo 3. Uh, he was the lead writer on Destiny while he was still at Bungie before he ended up working for Microsoft. Uh, he didn't actually work for 343 for a while, um, but then when Halo Infinite was facing some development struggles, he eventually went to 343 and became, I, I guess, I don't know if it was the, the project lead or creative director um, on it to kind of shepherd Halo Infinite in the right direction. Uh, he's been at Microsoft for the, like the last 10 years or so, but I really hope maybe he goes, if he goes back to Bungie, I think that will be a good, I don't see that happening though. Um, if anything, I, I hope he maybe creates his own studio or something like that. Uh, I, I would be very down for that. He's also written a couple books for ha the Halo lore as well. Um, I don't really foresee him going over to Bungie. None of the people he's really worked with were over there, but who knows? Maybe he is. Um... But I am always going to be looking forward to whatever Joe Staten does in the future. Let's shoot over, though, to the other giant we've been talking about this, these last few stories. And that is Nintendo. Nintendo has subpoenaed Discord over the person who leaked the Tears of the Kingdom uh, footage of Legend of Zelda. Uh, or the art book, of all things. Not even footage of the game, but the art book. So, via Torrent Freak, Nintendo's filed a subpoena requesting Discord to uh, release the identity of the leaker. So, uh, this was in February. A Discord user called Julian, <clears throat> number 2743, posted images from the Tears of the Kingdom art book. Uh, it's obviously part of the collector's edition, things like that. It comes out in May when the game comes out. But, uh, so this is their official subpoena. It says, quote, Nintendo of America is requesting the attached proposed subpoena that would order Discord Inc. to disclose the identity, including the names, addresses, telephone numbers, and email addresses of user Julian number 2743, who is responsible for posting infringing content that appeared at the following Discord channel, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. The document reads in part, uh, unquote. So, Nintendo is famously very litigious. Uh, they're almost as litigious as the mouse. So, and, and do they always win? That I, I can't say for certain. But Nintendo is famously very, very protective of its IP. So... The, them going after leakers, though, I don't always agree with that. Yes, obviously, you don't want people leaking things, but going after them like this is a little excessive, in my personal opinion. Uh, I, obviously, some people might disagree with me, but going after leakers is... is I don't know. It, it sets a bad precedent, right? And if, if, a, uh, if it goes through, who's to stop like literally everyone else, from uh, going after leakers. Uh, Disney famously does as well um, when it comes to certain things. Not not to the same extent, but it's like, does that mean... Why, why don't they go after everyone in the Pokemon leak subreddit? Why doesn't uh, you know Microsoft go after people that leak stuff about 
Halo or Gears or Forza. It, because it's just, it, it's, it's a fool's errand, if you ask me. Maybe there's, there's a sense in it, but, but what, what, what is the point of ruining this person's life for sharing pictures of, of an art book? Right? Am, am I wrong in thinking that it's ridiculous to, to go after this person like this? I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I would love to hear your opinion on it because to me, like I said, it's it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard over an art book. I can understand if it was footage or gameplay or releasing like the API or the source code, but images of an art book, it, it, it it's it's excessive. It's extremely, extremely excessive. But moving on to other strange things in the gaming world. Last week we talked about uh, Studio Wildcard, who is developer of, of Ark Survival Evolved, and they're of course coming out with Ark 2. And they had released, announced a like next-gen upgrade bundle that essentially you have to buy to upgrade your current version of, of Ark to be able to keep playing because they were going to be shutting down the servers. Well, <clears throat> in a new community blog, they have stopped those plans uh, after massive and I mean massive outcry from their from their fan base their 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 user base right um, it says quote our intention behind this was to provide a package where you essentially got two products for the price of one in hindsight night not the best move our bad we recognize how combining arc survival ascended with arc 2 and requiring further DLC, DLC upgrades wasn't optimal especially since you wouldn't be able to judge Arc 2 as no gameplay or content would be available yet, unquote. Yeah, essentially they were charging you for the second game um, before it's even out just to upgrade the first game. So the Ascended is a standalone game, which is the upgrade. The DLC content gradually built in instead of being sold on digital storefronts. That's for $60. Um, so this is the new stuff. So the island was released at will be released at launch. Survival of the fittest, the island and scorched earth map variants coming at launch. Um, scorched earth at launch, and then the next other DLCs: aberration, extinction, genesis. Parts one and two will come later this year through early next year. Um, all community created maps will get moved over and things like that. So. Uh, as I stated last week, they will be sunsetting Ark Survival Evolved on August 31st um, to prepare for Survival Ascended, which is like the upgrade. And uh, it will... God, eight, another update will come on its 8th anniversary in June. The game's been out for 8 years. Um, that's crazy. So, it's uh, very interesting what's, what's going on with this. Um... If you guys are big players in that franchise, obviously you can learn more from uh, Studio Wildcard. Uh, Tekken 8, we've learned that uh, we'll have crossplay and a rollback netcode. So uh, the main developer said they wanted to put crossplay in on PS4 and Xbox One, I guess back with Tekken 7 and stuff like that. But Microsoft and Nintendo said no back then. Obviously, things have changed. Uh, since then, it's been quite a while. It's nice to see a fighting game have cross-play, though, because that's not really a thing in the fighting game community. That's for damn sure. Uh, 
And then here's some crazy news that's been going on. I've noticed on like regular news sites as well. But Pentagon, top secret Pentagon documents were shared on Discord. So there is, uh, this is all stuff regarding Ukraine, spy networks, things like that. So uh, U.S. allies, American penetration, Russian military plans, and a lot more. Uh, all of this with top secret or secret labels, all released on Discord. So there's a server with some American users, presumably in the military or in the intelligence community, um, was passed on a Minecraft Discord server, and the BBC was able to, to find out about it. It's been on 4chan, Twitter, Russian social network Telegram, um, and now U.S. officials are le looking into it. But that's just, I, I just, I think it's hilarious that all this stuff was in Discord and then in Minecraft and then ended up on getting spread throughout the internet, especially 4chan. But <laughs> that's crazy. This is the most one of the most ridiculous things ever. The U.S. military said it uh, via Wall Street Journal said, "quote One of the most significant leaks of highly classified U.S. documents in recent history." Unquote. I wonder what uh, what's his face uh, Snowden <laughs> thinks of this. Was was this him on was this him on Discord? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and then our final gaming news today. Not a whole lot. Uh, QuakeCon will be returning to in-person events. For the first time since 2019 this year, it will take place August 10th through the 13th in Grapevine, Texas. QuakeCon, of course, celebrates everything Quake, Doom, um, Unreal Tournament. Wait, no, not Unreal Tournament, sorry. But Quake, Doom, anything made by id Software, pretty much. Uh, but that is in August. So let's move on over to what's going on in the TV world, shall we? So, we got some big, big TV streaming news, whatever you want to call it. Big shakeups happening, if you will. <laughs> uh, anyway, Netflix has announced two things. Uh, Arcane won't be getting a season two until at least next year. That is the show, uh, the anime based on League of Legends. And a new Stranger Things animated show has been announced. Uh, when that comes out what it's about all that hasn't essentially been announced but that's something that is happening at netflix um we also saw a new trailer for the continental which is the john wick spinoff show set in the 1970s about the rise of winston and the continental hotel uh, that will drop on peacock this september uh we also learned that the Rick and Morty anime will be coming to HBO Max, or what is now being called Max, this year. Uh, and speaking of that, we have now learned the official details. So, HBO Max and Discovery Plus will be merging into Max. Yes, it's just being called Max. Max. Uh, <laughs> will be $16 a month if you want to keep the current, whatever the full offering is, which is, I think, a dollar more than what HBO Max is right now, standalone. I'm assuming it will still count if you have HBO on your cable. Obviously, that could change. Uh, and the official change starts on May 23rd of this year. With that, though, we got 
uh, news and trailers for a lot of new shows. Uh, the Conjuring is getting a TV series that will premiere on eight, on on Max. Another Game of Thrones spinoff. This one focusing on uh, the Duncan Egg stories, which is a prequel. Uh, it's about one of one of the Aegons. I'm not entirely sure which one, but it it's set. It, this one's set a little bit closer to the Game of Thrones uh, standard timeline that we know, and not so much with. Um, House of the Dragon. I could be wrong. Hold on. Let me look. So yeah, they're set 89 years before um, the, you know, the, the main story, whereas House of the Dragon's like 200 and something years uh, before. So it, it's, um, it's a lot different. Um, the next thing uh, we learned, The Penguin, we got a new trailer for The Penguin Show which is uh, technically a sequel to The Batman. The trailer shows off both finished work and uh, behind-the-scenes footage because it's currently in production. Uh, True Detective Night Country, the new True Detective series starring Jodie Foster, got a new trailer. It's set in Alaska. That looks fun. The biggest thing, of course, though, is we learned about the new Harry Potter series that we talked about last week. So... It's rare, and I saw a video, Jay Stoops talked about it on TikTok. It's rare to see a major franchise like this get rebooted so quickly. Uh, we learned, rumors were swirling that the reason they rebooted it with a TV series is because Daniel Radcliffe and um, Emma Watson would not sign on for a Cursed Child film due to J.K. Rowling's involvement. Uh, J.K. is fully invested in this. Um... They are calling it a, quote, faithful adaptation, unquote, of the novels uh, with a new cast of characters. It has been given a 10-year commitment. Most shows do not get a 10-year commitment, especially one that hasn't started production, have scripts, or anything. Um, they will essentially focus on one season uh, equals one book. So it will take, they're, they're putting out at least 10 years for it to take place over the seven books that are in Harry Potter. And this is uh, this is very interesting because, again, the movies are so beloved. It's, it hasn't even been 10 years, really, since the last one came out. But we're getting a, a full reboot, is what essentially a full reboot to it. Uh, and J.K. is heavily involved, which... I, I don't we'll see how that plays out but it's 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 weird to see a major franchise reboot itself so quickly right normally I'd be like Nick what about spider-man what about Batman it's like yeah yes and no um, not not to the full extent that this is um, Jay Stube said the same thing and she was like Look, yes, those get rebooted, quote-unquote, but they're never telling the same story over and over again, right? So this is essentially retelling what we already saw in the movies, but more faithful, which, which opens up a wealth of new questions and no answers, really, because, A, how do you recapture the... I hate to use this word in, in this particular instance, but how do you how do you recapture the magic that Harry Potter is, right? Look at other franchises and how they're expanding. They're expanding off the main thing and 
and growing around it. They're not starting over from scratch again. So, look, I am excited for it regardless because it is Harry Potter and I, but, but with a massive grain of salt, I'm like, a reboot though? Very, very, very weird to see. Um, and it, as long as it's on the same production value as Game of Thrones, as like other major high fantasy HBO adaptations, it has the potential to be good. I don't know what long-term viability or if people will actually watch it, but again, long-term viability is a major question, and is this a worthwhile investment for HBO? Um, anyway, moving on, uh, we also learned uh, a bit about DC's future on on HBO Max or Max or whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, separate from the Penguin. Uh, so we learned Peacemaker Season 2 probably won't come until at least 2025, based on some comments from James Gunn. Uh, but we did learn uh, about the voice cast for Creature Commandos, which is one of the first projects we're going to get out of Phase 1, or what are they, their first chapter, I think they're calling it, uh, Heroes and Monsters, Gods and Monsters. So this is, uh, the plan, of course, is that if they voice the character, they will portray the character in live action. Uh, so we've learned that Frank Grillo will be jumping from the MCU over to the DCU. He will be playing Rick Flagg Sr. Uh, David Harbour will be playing Eric Frankenstein. Indira Varma will be playing The Bride. Maria Bakalova as Princess Ilana Rostovic. Uh, she, of course, became famous from Borat 2 and is going to be in Guardians 3. Um, Zoe Chow as Nina Mazursky, Alan Tudyk as Dr. Phosphorus, Sean Gunn will voice both Weasel and then G.I. Robot, and Steve Aggie is returning in, as his, uh, in his role as John Economos, meaning that we are continuing on essentially from The Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and stuff like that. Not everything is getting rebooted from the Snyderverse is what we're learning. Um... This, of course, like I said, will be the first. Um, it's interesting, though, to see David Harbour, of course, join the, the DCU as well. So he will now be have major roles in both the MCU and the... Well, I don't know how major it's going to be in the DCU, but he will be in both. Um, that's funny. So... Frank Grillo and David Harbour. David Harbour playing Frankenstein, no less. Um, and then I do want to talk about some uh, reviews of episodes. So Succession, we're a few weeks deep into season four, its final season. And oh my God, did they go where I did not expect them to go. If you know, you know. Because th that is going to change everything moving forward about what this season is about and things that they've been planning and things they've been hinting at in the show since it started. So, <laughs> yeah, I did not expect Succession to go where it did, and it did. Uh, that was that was fun to see. Um, I do want to talk about Picard. We haven't talked about it in a few weeks. The last two weeks kind of were 
more or less uh, an interesting... I felt like they were two parts of the same episode, even though they were both quite long. We saw the end of Vatic, which I did fucking solids. Did not expect at all. I did not expect her character to meet her end. Um, so, I don't want to say early in the season, because it wasn't early. But it was episode 7 of 10, right? So that means she's not necessarily the big bad for the season. We're probably going to learn that this week when uh, now that Deanna uh, is, is, has been rescued along with Will Riker. So yes, the whole crew is back together. And we had a money shot last week of all of them at a table in, in a conference room, essentially, aboard, aboard the Titan, no less. Um, but it was like, that's the money shot, right, of, of the entire TNG cast sitting around the table as we were so used to them doing on The Next Generation. Uh, images have leaked of this week, and apparently the Enterprise D has, is making a triumphant return, and including all of them on the bridge. Uh, I think that was teased a, a few episodes back, to be honest. Uh, everyone is thinking that it's going to tie in with the PA rates, again, from Deep Space Nine. Uh, a lot of people are hoping it's not the Borg. We don't know fully yet what is going on. Um, but I am excited to see where these next two episodes go. We have two episodes left in the season uh, of Star Trek Picard Season 3. And I just hope it ends properly. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, Star Trek Picard Season 3 is amazing, though. Compared to the other two seasons, you'd think they were different shows. Uh, the quality is... I, I like this... I, I don't know the long-term long li liability of it or, or uh, return on investment it is, but the cinematic nature of New Trek is, is what I love the most about it. And that's what I love about Picard Season 3. It, it's, it's much more cinematic than uh, even the first two seasons and maybe some parts of Discovery and things like that. But... If you haven't watched Star Trek Picard, I really urge you to watch all three now that you pretty much can binge all three seasons now. It's 30 episodes total, so you could knock that out in probably a couple weeks. But that's on Paramount+. Plus, and I, if you're a big Star Trek Next Generation fan, I highly recommend it. Um, moving over to the other franchise of the stars, Star Wars. I want to talk about today's Mando, and it is a complete 180 from last week's episode. Oh my god. Oh my god. There is a lot going on here. And I, I'm just going to say uh, Paleon is back. Or back, I should say, officially in live action. Obviously, he was hinted at in the Thrawn books. He was hinted at in, the, uh, in Rebels. But Paleon is in live action now. Thrawn's right-hand man. We're getting closer to Thrawn, and I'll explain about that in just a bit when we get to talking about Star Wars Celebration Europe. But, oh, oh, oh my God. Uh, we also got uh, Brendel Hux, who is the father of uh, uh, General Hux from the sequel movies. So, sorry, uh, fanboys, but the sequel movies are not being decanonized. And we'll, we'll explain more of that in a second, too. But Paleon Hux... We got uh, Moff Gideon showing up, which leads to the Mandos trying to retake Mandalore. Okay. Uh, that was epic. 
Obviously, Mando was captured, and my boy Paz Vizla, fucking champion, bro. Fucking champion. I'm not going to spoil too much of it, but I just want to talk about how much of a badass Moff Gideon is in this episode. We also got some cool Praetorian guards, which are uh, the precursors to the elite Praetorians that are in The Last Jedi, which I actually watched this week. But, oh my god. The, the, this episode of Mando, there's gonna, next week is gonna be epic, just based on the buildup we're getting in this week's episode of Mando. Grogu gets to, like, drive IG-11, who's now IG-12, as, like, a mech suit, which, uh, I'm just gonna leave you with that as we lead into talking about Star Wars Celebration Europe. So, yes... Star Wars Celebration Europe took place this past weekend in uh, London. Uh, obviously, I didn't go because I had no way of getting to London for a convention this year. But some major news dropped at Celebration London this weekend. It started on Friday, went through Monday. Uh, the biggest things happened, of course, Friday at the, at the Lucasfilm Showcase. We got our first trailer for Ahsoka, which drops this August. Uh, it features some new enemies. It features the return of most of the Ghost crew. Sabine Wren, uh, where we learned that Mary Elizabeth Winstead will be playing Hera. Uh, we learned uh, Thrawn will be in it. There, we do see the back of Thrawn's head. Ray Winstone is playing, I, I don't want to call him a Sith or anything, but he is a orange-bladed lightsaber-wielding character who works for Thrawn. We get to see uh, Ahsoka and Sabine interacting as they search for Ezra and Thrawn. Obviously, that ties into this week's Mando episode with Paleon and, and Gideon and things like that. So we will be learning uh, about their all of their connections, essentially. Um, we also got to see there is a new timeline in the Star Wars universe, or updated timeline, I should say. It now goes from uh, the Dawn of the Jedi, which is about 25,000 years before A New Hope, up to the New Jedi Order, which is about 15 years after Rise of Skywalker. So uh, we also got to see that the Old Republic is somewhat canonized in, in the New Timeline. Um, so the New Timeline essentially is the Dawn of the Jedi, the Old Republic, the High Republic, uh, the... Um, uh, the the Republic era, I don't remember what they're calling it, but essentially like the prequels. Then we have Rise of the Empire. We have the Age of Rebellion. We have, uh, what are they calling it? Like the Mando timeline. I forget what they called that. And uh, then we have the First Order, the Rise of the First Order, which is the sequels. And then we have the New Jedi Order. So I'll get to that in a second. But uh, we also got a new trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which very, very, very excited for. This movie looks great. Uh, we got more of Mads Mikkelsen and things like that. Uh, the next thing we learned, though, there are going to be three new Star Wars movies. And according to Kathleen Kennedy, they are very deep into production already. Um... She said they are, quote, pretty far along in development, unquote. 
Uh, she also said, quote, these are things, as you can imagine, certainly looking at what Dave's been doing with Ahsoka, that'll be at least six, seven years building to what is what we're doing, be do, going to be doing in a movie, unquote. So that, let me talk about this. So three movies, like I said, um, the first movie will, or I don't know what the first one will be or when, what's first or what's second, but the first one announced is a new movie from James Mangold, who of course is directing uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny will be a, a movie set um, at the dawn of the Jedi. So his movie will take place 25,000 years before what we're used to about the first Jedi. Um, and this is a character that was shown off in the last Jedi in the temple that Luke is in. There's like a, um, a, a oh, what do you call that with the tile? Um, I can't think of that art style. Uh, a mosaic on the floor with like a Jedi character. Um, that is going to be that. Another film will be Dave Filoni. Uh, no word on what they're going to call it or anything, but, uh, oh, that's the New Republic era. That's what they're calling it. I forgot. This is a New Republic, a movie set during the New Republic. Uh, will feature essentially all the characters from Mando, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, um, the uh, Skeleton Crew show. These will all tie in into like a, what, what some people are calling like an Avengers style movie. To close out the Mando story and all that. And then we will get a third movie from Charmin Obad Chinoy, who, if you are recognizing that name, that's because she directed two episodes of Miss Marvel, two of the best episodes of Miss Marvel, if you ask me. She will be directing a movie about the New Jedi Order, which will take place 15 years after the rise of Skywalker. Starring Daisy Ridley as Rey as she builds a new Jedi Order, quote-unquote. So, anyone who thought that the sequel movies were going to get retconned or decanonized or anything like that, sorry to tell you, but Rey is here to stay. Uh, I think this movie can be good. My biggest thing is they need, is they need to find a way to get John Boyega to come back to Star Wars and be in this movie working with Rey and becoming a Jedi as we learn that he is essentially Force-sensitive. Um, that's a big ask. I don't know if they can get him to come back because I know he's been very frustrated. Uh, a lot of people I follow on the internet who were sequel haters are actually excited about this movie because they think it can, as long as it's written well, that it can redeem some of the bigger issues with Rey in the sequel movies. I personally really like The Last Jedi, and I think this is going to be building off of that more than maybe Rise or Force Awakens did. Um, I'm very excited, and the fact that Daisy Ridley's back. I mean, we are getting close to the 10th anniversary of The Force Awakens, and technically, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker all happen in the span of, I want to say, a few months, or maybe a year or two. So yeah, it's about about a year after The Last Jedi. So the, the, those three movies take place over about a year and a half, two years. Which, again, we're getting closer to the 10th anniversary of The Force Awakens, which is crazy. Uh, some people are calling this episode 10. I, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but that, that's essentially where we're at. I'm very excited. I, I think that, that it's going to be good. Um... Like I said, the Old Republic is returning to canon. Does that mean 
Um, does that mean where the the old games are canon? Does that mean the remake will be canon? A lot of questions still are going around about that. I want to go back to the the Dave Filoni movie though, real quick. Um, I I think Thrawn will end up being the villain of that movie, which I'd be very excited for. Uh, like I said, Ahsoka is going to drop in August of this year. Um, we learned that uh, Thrawn is coming. And then, while it wasn't in the showcase, it came out a few days later, that Lars Mikkelsen, who voiced Thrawn in Rebels, will be returning to play Thrawn in live action. Uh, an image of him did get leaked. I'm not going to super judge it because it's a picture of a screen that's being projected and a cell phone that's going to compress it so it looks okay it doesn't look terrible it looks okay uh, we learned about the skeleton crew show which starring jude law that will take place during the the new republic era so that that will essentially tie in to um tie into mando from my understanding from what it what it seems like um and Jude Law, I guess, is a former Jedi, from my understanding. We learned about directors of it. Um, uh, um, the Acolyte is going to be set during the High Republic. That's another show that's coming. That's going to be next year. The showrunner is comparing it to Frozen and Kill Bill. I don't know how you do that, but that's very interesting. Um, let me see... So we have that. Uh, Andor Season 2 will not drop until at least August of 2024. They're currently filming that. Um, Mon Mothma will be in Ahsoka. Uh, and then Ahsoka will also serve as essentially a sequel to Rebels because they're bringing a lot of people back. Choppers in it. Uh, the That mon maniacal droid. <laughs> um we also learned from Kathleen Kennedy that Rogue Squadron, while not really happening right now, uh, isn't fully dead at Lucasfilm. It could either be a series or a movie. We don't know yet. She doesn't know yet. Uh, does that mean they'll bring back... Um, oh, God, what's her name? The Wonder Woman director. Uh, that we don't know. She said the Lando show is still happening and still on the cards. Um... And she also confirmed that while Ewan McGregor does want season two of Obi-Wan, Lucasfilm is just not yet ready to do that yet. So maybe that might be a year or two out. Uh, she said Taika is still working on his movie. That was not part of those three movie announcements. So I'm guessing his movie might be farther out than we originally thought. And Ryan Johnson's trilogy is not in active development. That does not mean it's a dead project. Kathleen conf is essentially confirming it's just Ryan's really busy, so it might be a ways out. I think with that Old Republic tease, I think his movies, as have often been rumored, will be Old Republic movies. Um, I could be wrong, though. I don't know. We also learned that... Uh, Tales of the Jedi will be getting a season two. Will it continue to tell Dooku's and Ahsoka's story? We don't know. Uh, just that it's getting a season two. And then on Monday, we got a couple of new trailers. 
Star Wars Visions Volume 2 drops May the 4th this year. Features animation from studios all over the world, not just Japan studios. Uh, Japanese studios, I should say. But we did learn that Artemon Studio will be doing a short for Visions. So we're getting a Star Wars short in the style of Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run. And they showed some of it off in the trailer and it looks fucking great. So I'm very excited about that. And then the best news, The Bad Batch will be getting a third and final season. It is in production. It will drop next year. It sucks that it's only going to be three seasons, but they will tell the story that was left on a cliffhanger in the end of season two. But yes, we are getting a Bad Batch season three. Uh, that is just essentially, that's the biggest news out of Star Wars Celebration, obviously. Um, and then they did announce the next celebration will take place in April 2025 in Japan. Star Wars Celebration Japan is returning for the first time since 2008 and will take place April 18th through the 20th, 2025. So be on the lookout for that. I know that was kind of a rush of stuff, but it's, it's a lot of quick hitting news and you guys can find those trailers online. Let's head over to the movie department in Hollywood, shall we? Well, welcome back to Hollywood. No, um, obviously a couple weeks ago we talked about Ike Perlmutter being let go or fired over the last two weeks. We've talked about it from Disney and Marvel and all that. Well, he's speaking out uh, and spoke with the Wall Street Journal and essentially is talked about his, his issues at Disney and no, he didn't want to get Kevin Feige fired a few years ago, which was a big rumor. Uh, he said, quote, it was merely a convenient excuse to get rid of a longtime executive who dared to challenge the company's way of doing business. I have no doubt that my termination was based on a fundamental differences in business between my thinking and Disney's leadership because I care about the return on investment, unquote. So before I get deeper into this, like the dude's talking about return on investment when he's referencing some of the most profitable films in movie history. That all almost break a billion dollars. So I don't know what the fuck this dude's talking about. Um, he, he was... <laughs> oh God, Ike, Ike, Ike. Just accept the fact that you fucked up and you pushed off the wrong people, dude. Um, he said he was, quote, trying to protect the bottom line, unquote. Like, really? That's... Um, that's what your takeaway is. You were trying to protect the bottom line. You didn't like how they were investing. Dude, again, the MCU has brought in billions of dollars. They make their money back. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, my dude. I do not know. I do not know what is going on. Um, so it's, it's ridiculous for sure. Just go away, Ike. You've 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 caused too many problems at Marvel in general. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, we got a trailer. I'm gonna stick with Marvel here. Uh, we got a trailer for the Marvels, which is the sequel to Captain Marvel. It features Kamala Khan. It features Tayona Paris's. I guess they're gonna Monica Rambeau. Uh, it also features uh, Kamala's family, which means I'm all in. Because her family is great, but it also showed off the story that teased at the end of Captain or of, of Miss Marvel, 
where kind of like them using their powers is causing them to like change locations with each other. Very, very smooth looking in the trailer already. Uh, obviously, um, um, uh, uh, Samuel Jackson's back as Nick Fury. Uh, Brie Larson looks to finally be let off the leash uh, to be herself based on this trailer. I could be wrong, though. But it will be interesting to see as more trailers come out as the film drops in November. Uh, we also learned that Stefan Kapakik, I think that's how you say it, uh, and Morena Bakarin will be back for Deadpool 3 as both Colossus and Vanessa, respectively. Um, and then I'm going to transition here. James Gunn has said that... Uh, in an interview with Empire Magazine, he says, quote, I'm certain that's more likely now that I'm in charge at DC. Who knows? Unquote. Um, and this is in regards to a Marvel and DC crossover film. He went on to follow up with, quote, That's many years away, though. I think we have to establish what we're doing at DC first. I would be lying to say that we haven't discussed it, but all discussions have been very, very light and fun, unquote. What that tells me is him, Peter Safran, and Kevin Feige have all joked around and said, hey, why don't we do that DCU-MCU crossover fan people have been asking about for forever. Um, that would be epic. Obviously, it would feature whatever current cast of MCU is going on at that time, and then whatever we get to in the DCU. But that's fun. Um... And then another story to come out of Star Wars Celebration that is not very Star Wars-y, uh, but we, we actually learned that James Mangold is writing the Swamp Thing movie for DC. Of, of all things to learn at Star Wars Celebration, uh, one of them being that we are going to see um, that he is writing the, the movie for... Uh, the Swamp Thing movie. <laughs> uh, Shazam has hit streaming already a month after theatrical release. So, yeah, you can watch Shazam for 20 bucks at home now. Uh, you don't have to go to the theater and pay 20 bucks for it. Very strange indeed. And then uh, I want to talk about the Mario movie before I talk about my review. Mario has broken all kinds of... Of records. Um, just a reminder, it is a kids' movie, despite what some reviewers have have said. Um, I, the, the the rotten score on this movie is wild. A lot of movies lately have been all over the place. The rotten score is fifty seven critic, ninety six audience score. So I'm just gonna tell you that's a crazy di distance, but. The Super Mario Brothers movie has the largest has now has the largest global opening weekend ever for an animated film. Yes, it came out on Wednesday. Yes, it's a holiday weekend, but the global weekend for the Super Mario Brothers movie is three hundred and sixty-eight million dollars, and it brought in one hundred thirty-seven million dollars in the U.S. alone over the three-day weekend. $195 million over the five-day weekend. Um, and internationally, it took in $173 million. So that's how we get the 368 So 
Uh, it passed over Frozen 2's 358, and it now has the global, biggest global opening of 2023 for all films after beating out Ant-Man and the Wasp's $225 million. Um, it still didn't beat the largest domestic open, however. So, that is wild. But, as I'll get to in just a minute, it makes sense. Um, we also learned, so the biggest, my biggest criticism of the movie before it came out, and several other people's, was of course, the idea of Chris Pratt voicing Mario. Um, he did fine. He did perfectly fine. I have no issues. He put on somewhat of a, like a Brooklyn accent. But <laughs> we've also learned that he almost, when he first tried out for the voice, he apparently did like a like a, a, a Tony Soprano thing. Um, they were being interviewed by Entertainment Weekly, and Charlie Day said, quote, we tried different things, different voices. Every now and then they would say, Charlie, maybe a little less Goodfellas in this one. I'm like, all right, I think you're wrong, but fine, until they landed on something they liked, unquote. Um, Chris Pratt said, quote, for a minute I walked in, and they were like, that's a little New Jersey, you're doing a Tony Soprano thing, unquote. So... <laughs> Uh, not as thick. It's not a, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm Mario. You know, I'm here to fix your pipes. Not, not, so, not, not so much of that. It's a little more, uh, not as, like I said, not as thick of an accent. But that's it kind of for movie news. If you guys want to stick around for my Mario review, go right ahead. Uh, otherwise, thank you guys for listening. If you're not going to stick around for that, don't forget the socials. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, follow, poke, like, upvote, whatever you want to do. Um, but let's talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie, shall we? So, <laughs> I don't know why I did that. This movie is my one of my favorite movies of the year and one of my favorite animated movies. Yes, it's thin on plot, but I was having a blast watching it. And that's the best thing you can ask for. It is a gorgeous movie. Illumination really, like, I don't want to say step it up because they've been making very pretty movies for a while. Illumination can give Pixar a run for its money when it comes to their animation quality. Story-wise, not always. But... When it comes to their animation quality, this is a gorgeous movie. Everything is damn near perfect in, in a, a creation of the game. Um, is represented beautifully on screen. The soundtrack from Brian Tyler is, is amazing. And it, it interweaves the themes from the games perfectly, including Donkey Kong. Like the... Like... That there's the the Mario themes, the different stuff from the different games, the the jokes and the references are are they're not in your face and they're great. The movie has fun jokes. There's stuff for everyone. Jack Black sings an amazing song that he wrote for the movie as Bowser. Peaches, 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 peaches. If he wins an Oscar, Jack Black can just 
do what Snoop Dogg does where he's completed the main game and he's just doing side quests, right? <laughs> this movie is fun and it, it totally opens the door for a sequel or building more out of the the Nintendo universe, if you will. It, it, it The Luna character is one of my favorite characters in the movie. I, I wish we had more of Charlie Day's Luigi, I will say that. But, it, and... And obviously, the the other uproar was Charles Martinet was not cast in the movie as Mario. Um, he, of course, is the voice of Mario in the games, but you can hear his voice pretty pretty clearly at some points throughout the film. Seth Rogen, everyone like hated on him because he didn't do a voice for Donkey Kong, but he's he's perfect as his own voice for Donkey Kong, right? Donkey Kong's never spoken, so he doesn't need a voice. Uh, <laughs> no, no, um, that's my poor attempt at a Seth Rogen laugh. But this movie is great. And when I say that, I don't mean it lightly. Like, this is literally one of my favorite movies. I have seen three amazing movies in a row that have all been solid 10 out of 10. I'm not kidding. Mario is a 10 out of 10 for me. This was a 10 out of 10. Dungeons and Dragons was a 10 out of 10. Like, or a 9 out of 10, I don't remember what I said, but up there. And then John Wick, a 10 out of 10. The Super Mario Brothers movie is a super, a sleeper hit, if you will. And it's weird to say that because it took the weekend, but a lot of people are not thinking it's going to be good because of Chris Pat, Pratt and all this stuff. But no, it fucking works. It's a me, a Mario. Like, you can't, you can't go wrong with that, man. Um, no, it, it's fun. Everyone is perfect in their roles. Like I said, Chris Pratt won me over as Mario. Luigi, Charlie Day's Luigi is great. Anya Taylor-Joy plays a very good Peach. And this at, at the end of the day, the movie is about two brothers looking out for each other. And that's what I loved about it, right? It doesn't need a whole lot of plot for that. It's Mario getting Bowser, rescuing the, the Mushroom Kingdom from Bowser, right? That that's, that's the gist of it. It doesn't need a whole lot. Um... And that's why I loved it. And it's it's literally worth seeing because like I said, it's gorgeous. The soundtrack's amazing. And it's 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 fun. It's just a fun movie. So I'll leave you guys with that. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. As always, remember, check out the socials, Nixner News, the Nick DeFalco, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that. And uh, I will catch you guys on the flip side. That was episode two fifty seven. <laughs>